So welcome to worship at Two Little Mennonite Church. This is our Interdependence Day celebration, and we sit on this day with Paul and Silas in prison, and also with the shaking of the prison's foundation. We live in a nation that values personal independence and freedom over almost anything else, and yet flagrantly takes that freedom from people, especially black and, black and brown people, at a really astonishing rate. And in fact, as, as creatures of the Holy One, we as God's creatures created in the divine image, we're connected and we know that we're connected and we're interdependent with each other. In the words of Lila Watson, who was an indigenous uh, artist and activist, and you may have heard this one, I've heard it a bunch, um, especially recently, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up in mine, let us work together. Um, it seems appropriate then after quoting an indigenous person to say we worship today on indigenous land. This is the land of the first peoples of this continent. And here in Seattle, that means we're worshiping on Duwamish land a tribe still active and vital and alive in, uh, in Seattle and its environs and uh, with the Longhouse as their home here in Seattle. Um, and I noticed this week that their gift shop is up and running online. And so if you want to um, support the tribe, that's one way to do it. They have um, a variety of different products available in their online store. So if you go to duwamishtribe.org, you can, you can find that. And I think maybe Megan linked to that in the chat. Um, I invite you into the call to worship based on 2 Corinthians 5 uh, and into chapter 6. This is an aspirational message um, to that troubled group of new Christians in Corinth when Paul was writing to them. And you may respond, and I did not check with Pastor Megan, but I see she has unmuted herself. Uh, you may respond with the, um, with the words, for anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation which is in the chat box as well. Oh, thank you. Great job. Join me in this call to worship. From now on, we see with the eyes of Christ, the reconciler, the old order has passed away. Now, everything is new. For anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation. All this is from God, who is making us ministers of repair ushers of reconciliation, trustees of the message. For anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation. As Christ's ambassadors in the world, may we be reconciled to God. Now is the time. Now is the day. For anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation. Amen, and may it be so. Let us continue to be continue our worship as we begin a song. Well, this is a traditional spiritual, and I think we all know it really well. So, sing along with me. You got a place at the welcome table. You've got a place at the welcome table some of these days, hallelujah. You've 
got a place at the welcome table. You've got a place at the welcome table some of these days. We're gonna feast on milk and honey. We're gonna feast on milk and honey some of these days. Hallelujah. We're gonna feast on milk and honey. We're gonna feast on milk and honey some of these days. We give thanks to the welcome table. We'll give thanks to the welcome table some of these days. Hallelujah. We'll give thanks to the welcome table. We'll give thanks at the welcome table some of these days. We'll come home to the welcome table. We'll come home to the welcome table some of these days. Hallelujah. We'll come home to the welcome table. We'll come home to the welcome table some of these days. Each week we light our peace lamp to remember that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. Today, I particularly pray a blessing of protection for people, especially women and femmes who are still out on the street protesting police violence and in defense of Black lives. I give thanks, especially for the witness of Summer Taylor, who was killed this week when a man drove a car into a group of protesters through barricades. And I pray for the safety and health of Diaz Love, who is recovering in hospital from this incident. And together we pray. We long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace, and we choose to live for a just peace for all creation. Peace be with you, and also with you. Since we are, um, we're talking about a story from the Bible today in which Paul and Silas go to prison they go to jail, and they go not because um, they have done something terribly wrong, but because they are imprisoned unjustly. And sometimes, I mean, we, I think children especially, we learn to think about jail as a place where bad people go. Um, but sometimes, and we choose, and we think about the laws that we have in our country uh, or in our city that are laws that we, we, we follow the law because that's what good people do. But sometimes laws are unfair and sometimes people go to jail or to prison unfairly. And sometimes that can be a way to protest unjust laws. 
I'm going to read this book called Let the Children March, which is about uh, the children's march, uh, where children um, began to say there are laws that are unjust. Um, so you'll see, you'll see what happens. So this is in 1963. I'm going to have to move my chair around so I can see. 1963, Birmingham, Alabama. I couldn't play on the same playground as white kids. I couldn't go to their schools. I couldn't drink from their water fountains. There were so many things I couldn't do. One warm spring night, my family went to church. We weren't there to have regular services. We were there to hear Dr. King speak. is. He wanted to raise an army of peaceful protesters to fight for freedom. His brown eyes flashing fire and love, Dr. King told us the time had come to march. <clears throat> if I march, Mama said, I'll lose my job, sure enough. I can't march, Daddy said. I got a family to feed. The weight of the world rested on our, <clears throat> on our parents' shoulders, but this burden, this time, did not have to be theirs alone. I don't have a boss to fear, my brother said, or a job to lose. We can march this time. We'll be Dr. I'll be fine, Daddy, I promise. Don't worry, Mama. Dr. King didn't like the idea of children being put in harm's way. He was a daddy too, after all. But he said that though we were young, we were not too young to want our freedom. Let the children march. They will lead the way. On May 2nd, a sunny Thursday, boys and girls, brothers and sisters, cousins and friends, we all met at the church dressed in our best, ready, our feet ready. In a silence so loud that all I could hear was my racing heart, we began to walk. Hand in hand we marched, so frightened, yet certain of what was right for freedom. The path may be long and troubled, but I'm going to walk on. Would I be hurt? Would I be heard? Would it all be worth it in the end? I wanted to run from the angry faces in the crowd, from danger, from fear. Boys and girls, brothers and sisters, cousins and friends, on and on we marched, we marched, we marched. Singing the songs of freedom, 1,000 strong we came. Hate dogged my heels all that day, its yellow canine teeth sharp, but courage walked by my side and kept me going. Disperse or you'll be jailed, the police shouted the first day. Disperse or you'll get wet, the police shouted the second day. Disperse or we'll release the dogs, the police shouted the third day. We did not disperse. We kept on marching. We wouldn't stop until things started to change. Hundreds of us went to jail on the first day and even more on the second. My turn wasn't until the third day. After I was sprayed by water, 
stronger than anything I'd ever felt. Rough hands pushed me forward and I fell to my knees in the police wagon. I was going to jail. Dr. King reassured our parents, don't worry about your children, he said. They're going to be all right. Don't hold them back if they want to go to jail for they are doing a job for not only themselves, but for all of America and for all humankind. That night crowded into a cell too small for even half the kids, we sang, we shall overcome. Ain't gonna let and nobody turn me round and freedom is coming. Our parents couldn't be there with us, but still we sang, wrapped in the proud and loving arms of our ancestors. I was still in jail, but we heard that the next day and the next more kids marched. The water hoses they used to sting us could not stop our fierce tide. The path may be long and troubled, but I'm gonna walk on. Turn the other cheek, we had been taught. Show love where there is hate. The world watched as hate bruised us, but for seven days we walked only in love. The jails swelled to bursting and even President Kennedy took notice. Daddy said the president received letters and calls about us from all over the world. Our march would become a memory, a part of a larger story, but we had been heard and the seeds of revolution were sown. Two days and nights I stayed in jail. Some stayed even longer. When I left, I was tired and sore and my best dress was ripped, but my smile was as wide as the Mississippi River. I had made a difference. I'm so proud of you, baby girl, mama said. Your march was what made them see. With nothing more than our feet, our voices, and courage, we had done what others could not. Change was right around the corner. We felt like a cool breeze in an Alabama August. On May 10th, the great news rang out. Dr. King had reached an agreement with the white leaders of the city. Desegregation would begin. One month later, I was playing on a playground I'd never been allowed to play on before. Two months later, my family ate at a diner we'd never been allowed to sit in and eat before. Our march made a difference. We children led the way, singing the songs of freedom, 1,000 strong we came. One of the things that I thought of as I read that this time was how big of a difference it made that visibility and that protests kept going and people's letters and writing places from all around the world really did make a difference and uh, that included children and adults and whole communities all together. Um, and th these children in particular, they did that based in following Jesus. So I think it's appropriate that we sing as our next song, We Will Follow Jesus. And if you joined us last week uh, for worship, I taught the signs so my, my screen's still, oh, it's big. It's, you can see me again. Uh, just a reminder that the signs for that song are we will follow Jesus 
everywhere he goes. So I'll do the signs. Um, if you have it on, um, if you have it on a uh, gallery view, you should be able to see both me and Michael as, uh, as we sing. So do your best. And we'll add this, like I did before a couple weeks ago, we'll act justly, we'll love mercy, and we'll walk humbly. So you can just follow along. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. We will follow everywhere he goes. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll act justly, we will follow Jesus. We'll act justly everywhere we go. We'll act justly, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll love mercy, we will follow Jesus. We'll love mercy everywhere we go. We'll love mercy, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll act humbly, we will follow Jesus. We'll act humbly everywhere we go. We'll act humbly, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere we go, we will follow. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. We will follow everywhere he goes. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. Are we ready for scripture? Okay. <laughs> I'll be reading from Acts 16, 25 through 40. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds, and he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. When morning came, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, The magistrates sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, They have beaten us in public, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And now, and now are they going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. 
let them come and take us out themselves. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home and when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God within us, for the word of God among us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Thank you, Mia, for that reading. <clears throat> As Amy has already said, we are celebrating this morning interdependence, which is our tradition on the Sunday nearest the fourth. Um, the supposed independence that is celebrated by our nation every year at this time has always been a lie. And that's part of what our Interdependence Day celebration, I hope, exposes. Independence has always been dependent. It's always been dependent on slave labor, on migrant labor, on cheap and abusive labor overseas, on stolen land, on genocide, and on ongoing subjugation. These are all the things that we are actually dependent on as a country. So that even when freedom or liberty are realized among us, it's really only ever been realized for a few from the very beginning. I mean, it was where it was very clear that it was white propertied men for whom there was liberty and freedom. And that was it. So it's always been realized only for a few at the expense of and on the backs of the many. And so every year it seems so important to just say that part out loud, to hear it, to remember. One of the ways that I mark the fourth each year is, um, for, at least for the last several years, is by reading Frederick Douglass's Fourth of July address, which has got, I've seen it all over my feeds this year, which is really, really wonderful that it's getting more press, um, where he says, uh, what to the American slave is your Fourth of July? And it's just this powerful, sort of like King's Beyond Vietnam speech from Riverside Chapel. It's one of those that you can read year after year, and it always it always rings true. It always feels like it could have been written yesterday um, for today. Um, and one of the things that I saw um, this year is that NPR actually produced this seven-minute video with descendants of Frederick Douglass uh, reciting excerpts of his Fourth of July address. In fact, I'm just going to put the link in the chat if you want to open it up. Oh, Jennifer, I'm seeing now. The address was delivered 168 years ago today. Wow. And rings true like it was written yesterday. Um, so anyway, that's a link if you want to take the seven minutes. It's really beautiful. It's like the first four or so minutes are, are his descendants, these young, younger, they appear to be. I don't know what, how old they all are. Uh, they're different ages, but younger-ish prophets um, reciting the words of their ancestor. And then the last couple of minutes is what's called a coda. And then each of these, um, just beautifully and powerfully, each of these younger prophets names, um, what those words mean to them, what it means in this moment, um, and what the 4th of July means to them. I highly recommend it as a, a beautiful seven minutes to, to watch. So why am I beginning here <clears throat> in a sermon? Well, other than, 
it feels like the only thing that a Jesus following Mennonite can do <laughs> around the fourth um, is to name these quiet parts out loud. Um, so that's what it, it, you know, this high holy day of our nation's civic and civil religion um, seems like we need to name um, uh, our, our truest allegiances. Um, so that's one reason. <clears throat> but the other reason is Willie James Jennings, he's back. <laughs> so those of you who were around for my first Willie James Jennings sermon, you are in for another fiery treat. Those of you who weren't, buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> are my earrings clicking? Are you hearing weird clicks? Okay. I could, I could feel it. And then I was remembering. I, need, I just need to not wear earrings on Sundays. Okay. Uh, so Willie James Jennings. Okay. So he says a lot of really amazing things that I'm going to, uh, some of them I've internalized and I'm going to share with you. Some of them I'm actually going to read to you. Um, but one of the things that he says about this text, about this Acts story that we just heard so beautifully read by Nia um, of Paul and Silas in the, in the prison. Again, because prison is all over the book of Acts. Jesus' followers are always ending up in prison. Um, he says that the center of Christian prayer is at the site of suffering and rejection. Like that's, that's where our prayer is centered, um, is in suffering and rejection. And that our worship and our singing, so when we gather as a church to worship and to sing together, that it's that that main purpose is to join us to tortured bodies, tortured and chained bodies, both past and present. Because we worship a God who was tortured and chained, right? So this is about our joining to tortured and chained bodies, both past and present. The closest I'm going to get to a sermon in a sentence here is it's going to be, it's going to operate more like a refrain is right now. And that is, this, friends, this is a story of collective liberation. It's a story of none of us free until all of us free. And that's, that's the interdependence thing, right? Like, we actually can't be free until all are free. So here, here we are in this story in Acts. Paul and Silas are again publicly brutalized and then imprisoned. And though I want to make a footnote that I don't believe God causes earthquakes, we're still going to enter into this story. So we're going to try to hear the truth of it sort of metaphorically without saying like God actually causes earthquakes on the earth right now. I don't think that's what happens. But the truth of the story is that God shakes the foundations of the jails, that the, the deep desire of God is that those foundations are shaken and leveled. And that's the powerful truth that we're going to have to somehow claim mysteriously in this God doesn't cause earthquakes. I hope you can go with me. If you're stuck there, hit me up for a conversation later this week and we'll chat. So... Back to the refrain then, this is also a story of prison abolition, of jail abolition, the abolishing, the shaking, the falling of prisons. This is a story of jail abolition, which is collective liberation. None of us free until all of us free. I want to read now just a, a brief portion from uh, Jennings, Willie James Jennings. 
For those of us in the prison-drenched West, conditioned to believe our safety is directly tied to bodies locked behind doors and prisoners chained, the sheer idea of prison doors wide open and chains loosened strike many people with stark terror. In this regard, we have become one with the jailer. In this regard, we have become one with the jailer, one whose sense of well-being is shattered if people are set free. Whew. Where he's going and where I'm going, though, is that the jailer is also liberated in the falling of the prison walls. Thanks be to God. So just like, just like with police abolitionism, or even with just God's reign, the thing that we name every week with our peace lamp, God's shalom vision of a just peace for all creation, these things are, uh, all of them are dependent on imagination. Imagination is key. I'm coming to believe imagination might be one of the most crucial ingredients in faithful Christian life in following Jesus. Um, it is far from a mere flight of fancy. You know, like I think, you know, kids sometimes, some of us were told we were too imaginative, right? It's, so th these are not mere flights of fancy. Imagination is crucial for our liberation, for our collective liberation in the way of Jesus. And that imagination is crucial for everyone involved, for the jailed, the one behind the prison bars, for the jailer, for the judge, the authority who sends, and the jury. See, this is not a nice alliteration of J's. I'm, I'm including most of us in jury, just sort of metaphorically, poetically, the people who watch. So jailer, jailed, judge, and jury all need liberation. And we need to be freed to imagine life beyond the cell and the chain. So we need, we need to be freed in our imaginations to imagine a different world. And this uh, and, and as Mennonite Anabaptist Mennonites, we should be like so ready to do this. This has always been how we have talked about war, right? Um, people will say, well, it's not realistic. What would you do in World War II? And there's all the like, you know, all the like wanting to like nitty gritty, you can't do it. Let's just, let's just do little reforms. Um, but Mennonites have always said, no, mm -mm. no, you don't get to carry a gun and kill people straight up period end of story. And we're going to, we are going to imagine and envision a world without the military, regardless of you trying to tell us that it's not realistic. We are going to free our imaginations. We are going to liberate our imaginations to see God's vision of, of shalom, of just peace for all creation. That makes me think of some, something that um, I heard, I think initially from Rebecca Allen. So kudos to you, but the, but the credit goes to Adrian Marie Brown who said that all organizing is science fiction. Do I have that right? I see Rebecca coming to the computer. Yeah, okay, good, great. Uh, all organizing is science fiction. Um, and that is all organizing for, for social justice, for change. And I would say even in our, in our Christian faith and following the way of Jesus, it is all science fiction. And the way that she, uh, she defines that is bending the future together into something we have never experienced but believe to be possible. Bending it towards something we have never yet experienced, but believe to be possible. 
such a beautiful naming, I think, of, of what it means to follow Jesus and to liberate our imaginations to the world that God dreams and is dreaming into being. In our story with Paul and Silas, then, the jailer, um, once, once the prison walls are shaken, the foundation is, is, is gone, crumbled, and the jailer is so scared, he thinks everybody, he's going to get in trouble. Um, the jailer ends up tending the wounds of the tortured. So that jailer is liberated. His liberation is tied up with the liberation of the folks who had been behind bars. The judges, <clears throat> the judges in the story want Paul and Silas to go quietly. They, called, they, call, they, they want to dismiss them quietly and not let the public see what happened. So the judges have not been liberated yet. They need to be liberated. They can be, they have the opportunity to be liberated, but they haven't been liberated yet. But Paul and Silas, more is at stake for them than just their individual freedom. Like it's not just about them getting out of jail. And we already see this with the jailer whose liberation is tied up with theirs. He, they will not abide by the political rules of secrecy, of, of the backroom dealings, conversations behind closed doors. They demand a public reckoning and the honor that is due them as citizens. So they are citizens of the Roman Empire, and so they are due a public reckoning with the judge. And so they use the empire's tools against the empire, essentially. And Jennings says that they are thereby exposing their true identity as disciples because Jennings defines a disciple, a disciple who's also a citizen, as a citizen who exposes the concealed architecture of oppression and violence in order to set the captives free. I'm going to say that again. Disciples who are citizens that expose the concealed architecture of oppression and violence in order to set the captives free. He then tells this really powerful example from Nelson Mandela that I want to share uh, with you. So when, um, as Mandela tells the story, uh, so at the time that he was going to be released from prison in South Africa, F.W. de Klerk was the president at that time of South Africa. And the president, de Klerk, informed Mandela quite abruptly and without warning that he was going to be released from prison the next day. So he had no idea it was coming. Um, and de Klerk told Mandela that he would be flown to Johannesburg and released there. So his quick release after decades, literally decades of imprisonment was going to be for the expediency of the government. And Mandela had a different vision for his release. And these are Mandela's words now from his autobiography. I told him that I strongly objected to that. I wanted to walk out of the gates of Victor Verster and be able to thank those who looked after me and greet the people of Cape Town. Though I was from Johannesburg, Cape Town had been my home for nearly three decades. I would make my way back to Johannesburg, but when I chose to, not when the government wanted me to. Once I am free, I said, I will look after myself. So again, just like Paul and Silas, refusing to go out quietly, wanting to do this publicly, walk out the front door, and, and, and in that, the judge has the opportunity to join in being collectively liberated. Oh, so once again, to our refrain, this is a story of jail abolition right here in our Bible. 
that is consistent with the message across the book of Acts. So it's not just this one little snippet from Acts, but this is a consistent message from across the book of Acts. It is a story of jail abolition. And I'm just going to say, I believe Jesus when he said that he came to proclaim release to the captives. I don't think that was just poetry. I think he meant it. And I think he meant it for all the captives, the captives behind bars and the captives who were outside the bars, right? In this jailed jailer, judge, and jury, we are all captive to this system that we can't imagine living without. And it is our job to imagine living without it and to claim our collective liberation together. This is a story of jail abolition and collective liberation for all because none are free until all are free. I'm just gonna look at the time, 10.08. I think what I'm gonna do is when I send the recording, I thought about um, closing with a, with a rousing sermon from Willie James Jennings himself because I kept writing preach in the margins. <laughs> like, preach, Jennings, preach, yeah. <laughs> Amy, Pastor Amy too, she's reading this book with me, this commentary in Acts. It is fiery and it is awesome. Um, I hope you, I, you could surely feel the energy that I have uh, with Jennings in engaging the book of Acts through this lens. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to promise you that I'm going to include a very long section of Jennings' own words when I send out the recording tomorrow. So look for that there for more, a little more Willie James Jennings. Um, but this is a story, friends, of, of prison abolition, the God's true desire of the, the prison walls crumbling. It is a story of collective liberation because we are all captive to this and all need to be freed. It is a story of interdependence. None of us are free until all of us are free. We are bound up with one another. Thanks be to God. Now let's set out to reorder those relationships of mutual dependency so that we are all stepping into liberation with one another. This is God's desire and heart for us. Thanks be to God and amen. Amen. Thank you, Megan. Let's continue in a spirit of prayer, riding that wave of God's call for collective liberation and aligning our spirits with those desires in our lives and in our community and in the world. Let's pray together. God of love, through the prophets and through your beloved one, you proclaimed release to the captives, freedom for the oppressed, and recovery for those who cannot see. Even now the foundations are experiencing tremors, and may this time of unrest open our eyes and our hearts, leading us to lean into your liberating love and the beloved community. Hear our prayers this day for freedom, freedom from pain and illness, freedom from emotional turmoil, freedom from oppressive systems, and freedom into the fullness of the divine image reflected in each of us. God of love, hear our prayers. We lift up Jennifer's father, Hugh, this morning, who is currently in the hospital after a couple of falls this week, and we pray for Jennifer, who do, due to COVID is unable to visit him there. 
We give thanks that he didn't break any bones or sustain internal bleeding, and we pray that his body will heal fully and quickly. We grieve the death of Summer Taylor, one of the protesters who was hit by a driver on I-5 this weekend, and be with their family and friends and all who love them, and we pray for Diaz Love, the second protester hit, who is still in the hospital. May they be surrounded by your healing presence, God. Have mercy. We pray also for the staff and community of God's Little Acre with so much uncertainty around the possibility of mass evictions in the coming months. Our GLA community is feeling anxious. God, move our politicians and landlords to do the right thing in caring for those most vulnerable for losing their homes. May we recognize shelter as a basic human right and find creative ways to ensure all have access to a home. And on the way to each person having a true home, we need year-round shelter for our neighbors. Right now, there's an exciting possibility for a space for that shelter, and we ask God that your spirit would reveal a clear path toward a real shelter solution for people in our community. May the doors open wide. Oh Lord, we are discerning many big things together as a church community, campus redevelopment, transitioning the VS property on Capitol Hill, considering how we hold and handle our wealth, listening for how we collectively are called by the movement for black lives, and we are engaging these big discernment questions in some strange and trying circumstances. Send your spirit to infuse our discernment with hope, and a deeply rooted sense of joy. May we be faithful in listening deeply for your voice as we engage one another, beloved, fellow beloveds in this sacred community, keeping calling on each of us toward one another and together toward the beloved community you're calling us to be. Remembering Sarah Augustine this morning, who is in recovery from surgery has weaned herself off her meds to minimize the side effects they cause. We are grateful that she is feeling better each and every day, but tires easily. Prayers for her ongoing recovery, which could take up to a year or more, be with her in the road ahead. We hold her in your light. And turning to the chat for prayers prayers with Elizabeth Valenzuela I need to go back up sorry for her brother in Arizona who has been exposed to COVID and she's on the phone with him keeping him company while he waits for in line for a COVID test two hours so far oh lord Praying with Annalena for her cousin Gabriela in Mexico, who has COVID and has been transported to the hospital. Praying with Rachel for her friend Emma in Chile, who has been in a small apartment, not allowed to go outside for 15 weeks. With husband and two UK mental health, endurance, for patience and creativity. Praying for little Jonathan Williams, 
slowly getting stronger and learning to eat and breathe in the NICU at Swedish. Bless him and the bonds he is building with his parents, Caitlin and Zach. Yes. Praying with Larry for his best friend's sister, Westa Galdston, in hospital on a ventilator after a kidney was removed and bleeding continues. Oh, we hold all of this, all of these stories, both shared and the ones that we still hold silently. And pray with the God of love, who through the prophets and through the beloved one proclaimed release to the captives, freedom for the oppressed, recovery for those who cannot see, that we may experience the freedom that comes of being held in your care. May we be a liberating presence in our communities. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. 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 We are grateful for the gifts that we receive from each of you that you continue to make your offerings to our congregation, monetary and otherwise. And we are grateful for the means to collect those offerings digitally. This week, I bless the work that these gifts do in supporting the ministries of our congregation and specifically as we shift our um, summer worship direction in favor of hearing black preachers. I am very, very thankful. You can hear more about that um, this week in the newsletter and uh, Megan and I will provide some more information about that. This week I particularly thank God that we have the budget within Discipleship Council to be able to offer compensation to the people we invite into our pulpit each week um, and grateful to be able to um, to do grateful to discipleship council and to God for following the call of the spirit into um, a shift as excited as we are about Willie James Jennings uh, to be called into a shift of hearing um, multiple black preachers over the course of our summer um, and grateful that we have the, the money to be able to compensate them let's move forward this week as we worship into our final song. Slowly turning, ever turning from our lovelessness like ice, from our unforgiving spirit, from the grip of envy's vice, slowly turning, ever turning toward the lavish life of spring, toward the word of warmth and pardon, toward the mercy welcoming. Slowly turning, ever turning, from our ego-centered gaze, from our self-enclosing circle, from our narrow, petty ways. Slowly turning, ever turning, toward the foreigner as friend, toward the city without ghetto, 
for the greatness without end. Slowly turning, ever turning from our fear of death and loss, from our terror of the darkness, from our scorning of the cross. Slowly turning, ever turning, toward the true and faithful one, toward the light of daybreak dawning, toward the phoenix risen sun. I'm going to offer our benediction this morning. Um, it's a prayer that was written by Isaac Viegas, who's a Mennonite pastor in North Carolina, that he has written for our upcoming hymnal, Voices Together. So we will have it sometime later this year. Um, but he wrote it very specifically um, with the same energy that I'm bringing forward. This is how we do Mennonite Jesus following Christians on the Sunday near the 4th. It's so important to counter that national story. Um, he wrote it very specifically for this this season for American Jesus followers, US American. So this reads a little bit less like a benediction and more like an invocation. And so I'm going to just do it. I'm, I'm gonna offer this invocation on behalf of all of us. <sighs> Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen our resolve and to strive for communities where foreigners become neighbors and strangers become friends. Revive our desire for the reign of Christ, who releases prisoners and liberates the oppressed, who frees the world from greed and proclaims God's peace. Make justice roll down like a river and righteousness flow like an everlasting stream. Amen. And may it be so for each of you, for us who are gathered here together, and for the broader communities to which we belong. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>